So I'd like to talk about an issue that um, isn't discussed enough. There have been recently a number of of stories um, of false rape accusations and the terrible consequences that accompany them. Um, and before we get into the examples, I think the first question, of course, anyone asks is, uh, is well, how common is, is this problem? I mean, how often does it happen that somebody is falsely accused of rape? Feminists and, and other liberals will, um, if you've heard them talk about this, you've probably heard the figure 2%. And here's the thing about feminists. Feminists love to make up statistics. I think it's their favorite thing to do in the world. It, they enjoy that even more than um, yelling and screaming at men. They, they, they just love making up statistics. It is, it's really it's their favorite pastime. So they have this 2% figure um, that they will uh, often cite. They'll say, well, 2% of all rape accusations are false. Now, I want to give you an example of how that, that, um, that argument is framed. And, you know, I was just looking this up online to try to get to the bottom of it. And I found um, just, for instance, an article on the website quartz.com, uh, which was published in 2017. And it says this, it says, let's start with the idea that false rape accusations ruin lives and are therefore a universal risk to men. Generally, feminists dismiss this idea by arguing that false accusations are rare, only between 2% and 10% of all reports are estimated to be false. What's equally important to know, however, is that false rape accusations almost never have serious consequences. Now, we'll get to that almost never have serious consequences thing in a second, but let's look at 2% to 10%, okay? So um, that's the range that we've been given here. And so 2% is, you know, like I said, that's, that's what you'll most often hear. Let's, let's look at that. The problem with 2% is that, as I said, it's a made-up figure, okay? It's not, it, it's, it, it is not, it's just, it's not based in reality. Um, a report by a man named Edward Greer, which was published in the Loyola of Los Angeles Law Review in, I think, 2000 or 2001, tried to get to the bottom of this figure to find out where it originates, um, that's why it's, it's a lengthy report where he goes into detail about this idea that only 2% of all, of all rape accusations are false. And Greer discovered that it originates from a book written in 1975. And the, the book gives this figure and cites as its source a speech which was given by a judge the year before. So Greer contacted the judge's law clerk and found out that nobody really knows or remembers where that figure came from. It's just, it's just something that the guy said in the speech. Um, in other words, it's a false statistic from 40 years ago. So w w when you hear somebody say that, well, only 2% of rape accusations are false, most likely, here's how it goes, okay? Th this is how, the, the, like, to trace the, how they came about that um, figure. What it probably means is that that person saw it on Facebook from someone who saw it in an article written by someone who read another article, written by someone who got it from a book, written by someone who got it from a, from, a, from, a, from a speech given by a judge who doesn't remember where he got it from, okay? That's, that's, how, that's how we come up with, um, with statistics in, uh, in modern America. Now, what about 10%? Because that was, the other, that was the other figure that we were given, 10%. 
Well, I'm not really sure where 10%, I'm not sure where this 10% figure comes from. Um, but in any case, 10% is pretty high, isn't it? Like 10% of people who are accused of rape are innocent. Isn't that a really high? So if you've got a thousand men in a room and they've all been accused of rape, 100 of them are innocent. That seems like a high figure to me. And the fact that the author of this article apparently thinks it's a negligible figure is pretty frightening. But here's the other problem. We have no idea how many innocent men are, are really accused of rape because the only way that we can begin to quantify that number is by looking at the men who have been completely vindicated of the charges. And so they're the only ones that we can even start to quantify, and it's impossible to even quantify them. But that's to assume that every man falsely accused of rape has been vindicated, which of course is not the case. It stands to reason that there's a certain number of men who are in prison right now for rape and who didn't do it, and who are on sex offender registries, um, yet did not commit the crime. How many of them are, we have no idea. We have no clue. But we do know that false accusations happen. How often do they happen? We don't know exactly. We know they, ha they happen. Um, and we do know also that it's very easy to ruin a man's life and get him put in prison based on a false accusation. So that's really what makes the false accusation thing so scary is that it's, it's really easy to do. All, all it takes is, um, is someone who's willing to tell a lie and tell it halfway convincingly and stick to the lie. And if they're willing to do that, they can probably get you put in prison, even without any other evidence. That's what's terrifying about it. Now, um, so let's give some examples. Exhibit A, um, a man was, this is, this is a story in the Daily Wire yesterday, about a man who was released from prison from a 50-year prison sentence because it turned out that the person who accused him of sexual abuse lied under oath. Um, now, the accuser is, is a minor. We don't know her exact age. At least I, I looked it up. I, you know, it's, apparently, we don't know what her age is exactly, so not sure about that. But um, the accuser said that the guy's name is Joshua Horner. He said Joshua Horner molested her and then shot her dog in order to intimidate her in the silence. That, that's the, sto she, the story she told is that uh, he molested her and then said, um, and then I, I believe it was something like he said, uh, you know, if, if you tell anyone I'm going to kill you, and then in order to demonstrate his seriousness, he shot and killed the dog. He was then convicted by a non-unanimous jury, not really sure how that happens, and sentenced to 50 years in prison. Now, um, several months, actually about a year and a half into his sentence, it was discovered that the dog he supposedly killed was still alive and well. Okay, had never, never been killed, never been shot. Now, I'm, how is it that the police and the prosecutor never thought to check on this key piece of evidence? I don't know. I'm not sure how that happened. The girl said that the man raped her and shot her dog. Well, it seems like if you could find a dead dog with a bullet hole in its head, then that's a pretty good accusation, a pretty good indication that the accusation is true, right? But if you can't find the dog, then that's a pretty good, that's a pretty relevant evidence on the other side of the equation. But yet nobody checked at all? How is that possible? 
So this guy, this is what makes it scary. Um, this guy was sent to prison for 50 years based only on the word of this girl, no other evidence, and even the other evidence that could have been used um, to either vindicate him or, or indicate his guilt was never even, nobody ever even thought to check on it until he'd already been in prison for a year and a half. Um, so it turns out that the accuser had lied about that detail at least. Um, and when the investigators came to ask her about all of this, she fled, she ran away. Um, so Horner was eventually released from prison, though the DA has said that he doesn't know, he can't say for sure that Horner is actually innocent of molestation, but there isn't any evidence to maintain a conviction. And there is now very good evidence that the accuser is a liar. Um, so he's out now. Let's just imagine. So we, we really don't know um, if, if the whole story is, is false or not. But let's just imagine for a minute that, that Horner is actually entirely innocent of the whole thing. And it seems very possible that he is. It seems, it seems even likely that, um, that he is completely innocent because there would be no reason, there'd be simply no reason for a, for a, for a legitimate rape victim to concoct some bizarre story about her dog getting shot. Like there's no reason to embellish to that extent if you actually were a victim of this horrible crime. Um, but here's the problem. Horner's life and his reputation are now going to be forever stained, forever ruined because of this accusation, even if it is untrue. So not only does he have to deal with the trauma of spending a year and a half in prison as a supposed rapist, and I remind you that spending time in prison as a rapist is not a fun experience. And it seems also there, there's, there, there's a pretty high likelihood that he was a victim of sexual abuse in prison because that's what they do to rapists in prison. Um, not only does he have to deal with that, but now he also has a lifetime of suspicion that will never go away. There are other examples, um, recent examples. There were, uh, and these are just from the last few months, uh, two men were falsely accused of rape by a Sacred Heart University college student. Um, both men had to leave school and one lost his football scholarship over it. And then it turned out that the girl made up the story because uh, I think she felt guilty after having consensual sex with them. She was worried that uh, her boyfriend would find out or something. And, and um, so, so she ruined their lives, you know, because that's what you do. In another case, there was a man um, expelled from school and subjected to public humiliation by a woman who accused him of raping her at a frat party. The, the, accuser, the accuser says that she was drugged and uh, assaulted, but an investigation, including a medical exam and rape kit, found absolutely no evidence that any form of sexual contact took place, consensual or otherwise. So the DA, you know, came out and, and he said very plainly, he said her allegations are, quote, simply not accurate. Um, then there were uh, men, uh, two men who were released from prison a few months ago after serving 26 years for a supposed gang rape that never occurred. The accuser now admits that she invented the story. In another recent case, again, these are all just from the last few months, a woman claimed that two men had kidnapped and raped her at gunpoint. And then she later admitted that the claims were a lie when uh, police found video evidence that contradicted her tale. 
And again, these are just for the last few months. Notice a couple of things about these cases. Notice how in every case, it was just one small thing that rescued these guys. And in some cases, rescued them after they'd already been in prison for a while. But without that thing, they'd all still be in prison. So in one case, the accuser um, had sent sexually explicit text messages to her alleged rapist, clearly indicating that she didn't think she had been raped um, after it actually happened. In another, you have video surveillance. In another, there's a dog that they happen to find. Um, in another, there's, uh, there's the small detail of the fact that the guy didn't actually have sex with the woman. If he had had sex with her, even consensually, then he'd be doomed. Notice something else. In every case, the penalties for the false accusers or potential false accusers range from mild to non-existent. So the, one, the woman who made up the gunpoint rape was charged with a misdemeanor. Um, the woman who invented the frat party rape will face a lawsuit, but as far as I know, no legal penalties. The woman who put two men in prison for 26 years will not be prosecuted at all because of statute of limitations. The uh, Sacred Heart University students who ruined the lives of two, two, two men uh, make him the story. She's going to go to jail for 12 months. She got the harshest penalty. And as for Joshua Horner's accuser, if she did indeed make up the abuse like she made up the dead dog, uh, there's no indication that she'll be charged with any crime at all. We also don't know her age, so she could be very young. I mean, we don't know. And uh, we also don't know what role the adults in her life may or may not have played in helping her to cover up the, uh, the lie about the dog. So the thing, though, that ties all these cases together is that while the, while the accusers, who all happen to be women in these cases, while the women received either no penalty or a very light penalty, all of the men, the accused, did receive or would have received penalties that far exceeded the punishments that the false accusers faced. And this, to me, just seems like a gross injustice. You know, rape is a monstrous crime because of how it violates and dehumanizes the victim and because of the lifelong devastation that it causes. But falsely accusing somebody of rape is a monstrous crime for the same reason. But let, let's think about, <clears throat> think about the ways that a false accuser harms her victim, okay? Um, number one, uh, years of false imprisonment. So that's, pretty, that's a pretty big deal. Number two, he faces serial sex abuse while he's in prison because that's how rapists are treated in prison. Number three, his, his reputation is permanently ruined. Number four, his personal relationships, probably his marriage, if he's married, will likely be destroyed. Um, number five, he's got loss of employment. Okay, he's never, he's going he's to lose whatever job he had. He's never going to be able to find a good job again most likely. Um, number six, there's the severe emotional and psychological trauma, and then on and on, right? The dozens of other consequences, too numerous to list. Even though that article I read at the top said that um, rarely are there serious consequences for false rape accusations, I would say that there are always serious consequences. It's just a matter of how serious and how far does it go. And that really depends on how quickly um, the man can demonstrate his own innocence or if he can ever demonstrate it at all. 
And if it takes him 26 years, then he's going to be in prison for those 26 years, right? Um, a, a woman or a man who would subject another human being to all of that. Because again, think about, I mean, with a false rape accusation, it's not just like, it's, 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 it's not a momentary thing. You are, you are ruining their life. You are taking another human being and obliterating everything about their life. You're blowing it to pieces. And someone who would do that is no better than a rapist or murderer. I, I really make no distinction. I make no distinction between a woman who would send a man to jail, to prison, for a rape he didn't commit. I make no moral distinction between her and a man who actually did commit a rape. I think morally they are the same. And not only is the, that, that false accuser, not only is she morally deranged, but she is a threat to society. Just as the rapist is a threat to society, so is she. Because she possesses the, the, not only the willingness to tell the most damaging kinds of lies, but she possesses the ability to do so convincingly. And so she's a danger. She's a danger to any man who happens to end up in a room alone with her. She's a danger to any man who she, she, she develops a grudge against. Um, she can destroy a man's life with one lie. That's the way it works. She doesn't need any evidence. She needs nothing but the lie. And that will be enough at the very least. It may be enough to put him in prison. At the very least, it'll be enough to destroy his reputation, destroy his life, destroy his relationships, get him fired from his job, get his uh, scholarships taken away, get him kicked out of school. At the very least, just the, just the story, that's it, will be enough to do that. Um, and so she's a danger to society. And the only way to protect her next potential victim is to lock her in a jail cell for a very long time. So it seems obvious to me that false rape accusers, um, at least those who are adults, you know, children who make up stories, even though they also, even though that does happen, like it maybe it happened with Joshua Horner, it does happen. And it, I mean, um, it, it is devastating for the person who falls victim to that sort of thing. You know, what kind of punishments should, should, should those kids face? Now, that's sort of a different subject. But for the adults, uh, it seems clear to me that they ought to be given the same sentence that would have gone to their victim. That's, that seems clear. So we have, you know, statute of limitations and all that. But if not for that, then uh, the woman who put the, those men in jail for 26 years, she should at a minimum, be in jail for 26 years. And then she should have to, from there, serve out whatever the rest of their sentence would have been. Um, now, of course, look, I'm not suggesting that any, any woman who accuses a man of rape should automatically go to jail if the man is found not guilty. Like, I'm not saying that because, obviously, just because a rape isn't proved doesn't mean that it was invented. Just as there are men who are falsely accused who are in prison right now for rape, there are plenty of men who have committed rapes and are not in prison because they were never caught or it couldn't be proved in court or whatever. But if evidence is uncovered, which positively indicates a false accusation, then there should be an investigation and a trial. 
I mean, in all these cases, there was evidence, right? There's the dog, there's the video evidence, text messages, you know, whatever. Um, DNA, like all of these things can be positive evidence to positively indicate that a, a, a false accusation has occurred. And if you have that, then there should be an investigation, there should be a trial. Um, and if the woman is found guilty, she should go to jail for a very long time. Now, you know, rape can be very hard to prove in a court of law. False accusations can be hard to prove as well. But both of them can be proven. And when they are, it seems obvious to me that they should be treated exactly the same. I mean, that's the only way that you're going to be able to protect men and women too. Although, I, you know, I think probably women are falsely accused of rape a lot, lot less frequently. But uh, that's the only way to protect people from, from, from these kinds of things. And it's very easy. You know, it's, it's feminists like to talk all the time about how, you know, men or the, how women live in fear because of, uh, you know, they, they have to worry about walking, you know, in a parking lot by themselves or walking down the street because they have to worry about men, men are monstrous and, and all this kind of stuff. And I don't doubt that um, th those are concerns that women have to have. And that's a terrible thing because there are some, there are really bad men out there who have the physical ability to dominate women and are willing to use that ability to very evil ends. But on the other end of the spectrum, you know, you can't completely dismiss this very real fear that men have that some evil woman could come along and just ruin their life with a story. Because that does happen and it can happen. It's a very real concern. Feminists just, dis they just laugh that off. Like it doesn't happen, doesn't matter. But it does happen and it does matter. And I think we have to treat it very seriously when it does happen. I know there's always going to be the concern that, well, you know, if you start penalizing false accusers in this way, then aren't you um, making women uh, who are, who are victims of rape, aren't you making them hesitant to come forward? Well, you know, I kind of think that maybe the opposite is true. That in this environment now where, you know, any story is immediately, is, is immediately believed and, uh, and, you know, any, you know, a woman could ruin any man's life just with a story, you know, in this kind of environment where there are false accusations, and then you have all these stories that come out of men who, who are released after being falsely imprisoned, all this stuff. I think, I think this environment serves to unfairly discredit um, women who are actually victims of rape. So if you can weed a lot of that stuff out and start penalizing the real false accusers, then I think ultimately it'll, it'll do the opposite. And it'll lend more credibility to the, to the um, you know, actually true accusations. So just some things to think about. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. Godspeed. Did you know that mRNA vaccines are approved for use in pigs in the United States? Not to mention 85% of the beef sold in your local grocery store is imported. In fact, over 5 billion pounds of meat was imported just last year. There's so much mystery surrounding our meat, which is why I'm so grateful for my Good Rancher subscription. I know that I don't have to worry about imported meat or unknown vaccines in the food that I feed my family. Good Ranchers is saying mRNO to mRNA by offering a free 10-pound Easter ham with any subscription. 
Unlike the pork from the grocery store, Good Ranchers ham is guaranteed 100% free from mRNA vaccines. This is a $119 value, absolutely free with code DAILYWIRE. Go to GoodRanchers.com and say mRNO to mRNA by subscribing today. You have a right to know exactly what's in your food, and Good Ranchers is dedicated to protecting that right and providing your family with the best meat in America, free from any unknown and potentially harmful additives. Go to GoodRanchers.com and subscribe to any of their boxes and use code DAILYWIRE at checkout. Every subscription will come with a free Heritage Ham, $25 off, and Good Ranchers lifetime quality commitment. That's GoodRanchers.com, code DAILYWIRE.